Welcome to Indie Matters, the podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Alex Kuro. Today, I'm bringing you a story about the changing landscape of the LGBTQ communities in rural Nevada, specifically focusing on the ever-evolving conversation around trans rights and trans issues. This is particularly relevant as the number of anti-trans bills introduced across the country has doubled since 2022. To bring this even closer to home, in Nevada, a bill was introduced that would limit students to only playing sports according to their biological gender. And at the Basque event in Gardinerville in June, former Attorney General Adam Laxalt argued what he called a transgender movement was pushing itself into elementary schools and big corporations. Yet, in the face of this, Nevada continues to shift its views and become a leader on queer issues in rural America. From Ely to Mesquite, from Tonopah to Carson City, queer issues are not something specific to urban areas. To understand this better, we're going to talk to a few people from some of the less populated areas of Nevada, getting their take on what it means to be queer in small-town America. I was living in Reno from 2019 to 2020, because I was going to UNR, and I came back to Goldfield in June of 2020 for multiple reasons. That was Evie LaRue, a 23-year-old trans woman from Goldfield, Nevada, a small town of about 225 people just outside of Tonopah. Evie, who spoke to me using her chosen name, is still not out and therefore has asked us to leave her occupation and birth name out of the story. I dropped out of college because I was extremely depressed and you know, lots of stuff. And also COVID had just become a big thing. So, I mean, it kind of made sense to come here because it's a town of under 300 people and I had a job ready to go here. It's taken me a long time to get to the point where I am now, where I'm still not publicly out. It's a major stress factor because I don't know what people's reactions are going to be. Evie started hormone replacement therapy, or HRT, in July of 2021, after almost two Two months of waiting for a doctor's appointment. It was a struggle to get my first appointment at the clinic I go to. So, you know, that that month or two months, that was a kind of a stressful time. I'm not hearing from them. You know, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get this done. Like, I just, I just can't keep living my life like this. Evie has been taking estradiol valerate, a form of injectable estrogen, for about two years now. In the state of Nevada, HRT therapy and gender reassignment surgery are covered by Medicaid, contingent upon well-documented proof of gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is the feeling of discomfort or distress that might occur in people whose gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth. But she doesn't call it that. What do I refer to it as becoming a bad For me, it's a little bit strange because I transitioned later in life. That was Kimmy Cole, a Carson City resident and former candidate for lieutenant governor. And, you know, I had a lot of family background, employment background, and organizational background before I ever did it. So I didn't make it a thing, and for the most part, I didn't have any other problems. Kimmy is retired now, but she used to be the chair of the Nevada Democratic Rural Caucus. I am not particularly concerned 
for my life in general, because of that background, I have so many friends and families of friends who are younger, who are going through this. And I see the challenges that they're running through. And I figure if any of my institutional knowledge or experience can lend something positive to that process for other people, that's what wakes me up in the morning. Because she came out as trans later in her life, she avoided some of the hardships that came with transitioning in youth. But that does not mean that Kimmy has not faced her own challenges. One of these being that gender dysphoria was, at one point, categorized as a psychiatric disorder. I don't feel like I live with a disorder. I don't feel like any of my friends or associates live with a disorder. And it was removed from a category of disorder years ago. But when that is printed or spoken out to the public, that stigmatizes it where other people feel like they have to be afraid. Disorder is not a good word. Evie agrees with that statement. If I were to be publicly out, people would be like, you have a mental illness, you can't do your job. When it's kind of like the opposite, which is I wouldn't be able to do this job if I wasn't who I am. Access to medical care in Nevada in general is difficult, ranking close to last in the nation for health system performance. This is intensified for minority groups who struggle to find the care they need. In rural Nevada, oftentimes, this lack of access becomes no access at all, especially when it comes to things like gender-affirming care. What is the travel time for you to receive gender-affirming care? My doctor is in Reno, so it takes me four hours to get to Reno. I think my only other option would have been in Vegas. And at the time, I think the reason I chose Reno is because the wait times were shorter. I don't know if I'd be able to do same day. I'm not going to drive four hours there and back in one day. From Goldfield to Reno is not a fun drive. An estimated 0.6% of the U.S. population identifies as transgender or gender nonconforming. And transgender patients face many unique health risks, including risk of suicide and mental health issues. These numbers can be higher in rural communities where lack of access plays a role. To speak more to this lack of access, not only does Evie have to travel to her appointments each month to get gender-affirming care, but she has to drive up to four hours just to get her hormone prescription refilled each month. I was unable to actually get my prescription filled at the pharmacy in Tonopah, so I had to get it filled in Vegas. Gender-affirming care is also quite expensive. Before insurance, clinic visits cost around $270. While it can be hard for LGBTQ and trans folks to get access to care in rural Nevada, there is something that keeps folks living in these areas. And this breaks stereotypes of how people view small conservative towns. I think there's a narrative people tend to spin about what the experience must be like for someone in my position. And I don't think it's usually the assumed narrative at all. That was Nathan Robertson, the mayor of Ely, a small rural town in eastern Nevada. Nathan is from Ely and after attending college, returned to the town where he now lives happily with his husband. My husband, when he moved here, was afraid he was going to be the only gay in the village. And 
There's a married couple that runs the sporting goods store here. His husband works at the insurance office. There was an older same-sex couple that worked on our Main Street committee. They're here, they're in every community. Nathan's work varies and includes things like being on the board of prostitution and the head of the city's complaint department. He has even officiated weddings for a few people in the community. Nathan is a fifth-generation resident of Ely, and his roots date back to just after the Civil War. When I get interviewed by people from back east or in the Midwest, they kind of have this image in their mind of a rural area that, like, it's the Midwest, and Nevada is not that. Um, We have Burning Man here. If you're going to participate in the community, we're happy to have you. It's very much everybody kind of do your own thing and be as weird as you want. That's a very different place than I think most rural areas are. And politically speaking, Nevada has always been very purple. Nevada has been called the unsung hero for LGBTQ plus equality by the Human Rights Campaign. While rural Nevada tends to vote predominantly Republican and the Las Vegas metro area is predominantly Democratic-leaning, the stereotypes that many often pin to these parties do not necessarily apply in Nevada. For example... In 2019, Nevada banned the trans-gay panic defense, assuring the sexual orientation or gender identity of a victim cannot be used as a defense in a violent crime. And in 2020, Nevada became the first state in the nation to recognize gay marriage in its state constitution, even though most of the rural counties voted against that ballot question. By and large, Nevadans will generally vote for whoever they think is going to do best. They don't vote along party lines. I know that was kind of a culture shock for my husband when he moved here. He had a preconceived notion of rural areas and how that would be. But he's the executive director of the Chamber of Commerce. He teaches middle school, you know, the first gentleman to the mayor, and he just gets out and does his thing. What made you want to run for mayor? Being as deeply rooted in the community as I am, put me in a unique position where I think they would take a little bit more encouragement and pushing for me than they would from somebody who came in from outside the area. So it was an opportunity to kind of move us into the next phase as a community. Nathan's election is an example of how the state is becoming more open to LGBTQ plus communities. This is exemplified by the two bills that were signed into law by Republican Governor Joe Lombardo. In a quote with KRNV, Lombardo assured Nevadans that Senate Bill 163 was beneficial for everyone. I implore, I implore people to read the bill in its entirety, and you will see it is not as draconian or detrimental or immoral as people are portraying it to be. It's for the benefit of the whole versus the few. SB 163 requires health insurers cover gender-affirming care for transgender minors and adults. SB 153 requires the Nevada Department of Corrections to adopt standards for the protection of transgender, gender nonconforming, and non-binary inmates. Here's Kimmy. Carson City, in my experience, has been relatively on balance as far as being open to more diversity. I asked Kimmy about how that openness to diversity might be expanded in rural Nevada. We tend to fear what we don't know. I would really encourage people to have a conversation with somebody and just ask the questions. More people to have conversations, less people to be jumping to conclusions. To continue having important conversations, as Kimmy advised, I spoke with one of Reno's drag superstars. (laughs) I'm sitting here with... 
Fernando Gonzalez, aka Shania Thompson. Shania Thompson, you are a drag queen here in Reno. Can you explain to me a little bit how you got started in that here in Reno? So during the COVID lockdown, we had a whole lot of time and a whole little to do. My fiance actually was already experimenting with like makeup and stuff like that. So he actually started doing it first. And then I was bored and I kind of just like jumped in and started doing it as well. Fernando grew up in Carson City, but his family did not accept his sexuality. And so at the age of 16, he became homeless and had to move to Reno. Although some see rural Nevada as a safe home, Fernando moved to a more urban area where he was able to find a safer, more accepting community and eventually start a career in the art of drag. Growing up and being gay, I always kind of still veer towards a more masculine side and was a little more timid or I guess embarrassed to show anything that was more feminine. Even though I was comfortable in my sexuality, it was still like, well, I can't wear that. You know, I shouldn't. I should act a little more masculine in public so I don't get, you know, gay bash or someone doesn't say something to me. But after actually starting drag, funnily enough, I stopped caring. So I'm like, I'll walk around now with a rainbow lanyard hanging out of my pocket. And I just act like the way that I, I've always wanted to, but was a little afraid to. Um, I use it almost like a mask to help me just kind of be, I guess, who I wanted to be without being ashamed of it. Can't get any less masculine than, you know, putting on fake breasts and prancing around. Nevada has a particularly long and rich history with drag, where performers have been dressing up and entertaining audiences with their often over-the-top shows for over a hundred years. Female impersonators took the stage in cities like Las Vegas as far back as the 1930s. And today, drag has become more mainstream. Even places like Nellis Air Force Base have hosted a drag brunch. Although, such events are considered controversial, and the Pentagon canceled the event at Nellis as Pride Month began on June 1st. Even in drag, sometimes we walked around like downtown or in casinos, and I've always felt timid to do that just because I don't want to be put in a situation where I have to defend myself. People might get extra crazy and take out a gun just because they don't like the gay man in a dress. And it kind of gives you like a little bit of a perspective what I feel like trans men and women do go through. I feel afraid to even be out here in drag. I couldn't imagine being a trans person walking down the street, and that's like their constant fear. According to a 2022 survey, more than 50% of transgender and non-binary youth in states across the U.S. have seriously considered suicide in the past year. And with the spread of anti-trans legislation and 2024 presidential hopefuls campaigning on promises to limit trans and queer rights, advocates fear this mental health crisis is not going to go away. So I see the proliferation of misinformation and disinformation as absolutely key issues that we're running into. It's based on hatred and ignorance, not the scientific research that's gone on for so many years. Evie shares a sense of concern with Kimmy and sees that things have been getting worse across the country for trans people over the last two years. I definitely think it's been getting worse over the last two years across the country anyway. And just thinking about the impact that things like that would have on other trans people or young trans people, it's very stressful and it creates a lot of negative situations. It's like, well, you know, what if I don't want to live in Nevada? Where am I going to move to? You know, that sucks. 
Now, anti-trans sentiments are going as far as to ban drag shows. Tennessee, this April, became the first state to explicitly ban drag shows in public places. Here's Fernando. Even from the very beginning, the moment I heard that they were trying to ban drag shows, I was like, this isn't really about banning drag queens. It's an attack on trans people. Because if they say a man dressed in a, you know, a wig or whatever is illegal and they call it drag, well, then if a trans person is walking down the street just living their authentic self, they can come for them and say, like, you're dressed in drag and that's illegal. So from the very beginning, I already knew. I was like, this is, this is awful. Rural Nevada, specifically the Douglas County School Board, has been in the limelight as of late for discussing an ordinance that would ban the use of bathrooms for anyone outside of their gender given at birth. This would also limit trans kids from participating in school sports. And although the board didn't take action on this measure, school board leaders say that they are committed to passing such a policy at some point in the future. It's even happening here on our doorsteps. I know a couple teachers who live out in Douglas County, and they've recently had to get the ACLU involved out there. I was like, really? Our neighboring county? This the stuff that's going on? And that can spread to Washoe in the blink of an eye. Here's Mayor Nathan's take on the issue. I don't think Douglas County is typical of most of Nevada. I think those are people who have come in who felt like the places they came from were too liberal. And part of that is locals having to step up and maybe take a role that they didn't think they would ever be taking like myself and making sure that they're not letting that be the only voice and letting people know that that's not how our community runs. But it does take people standing up to be seen and be vulnerable. And when you stand up, it's unnerving because you're the target then. 90% of the time, I've been very proud of our communities and very proud of our state in that respect. Even as Nevada is bucking trends of anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ plus rights, Rural communities often still lack mental health resources. There's a lack of mental health resources in general, so we don't have a lot of resources there at all. I volunteered at a couple places, like one's called Encircle in Utah, which is like a, a resource center for LGBT kids. We don't have anything like that here. No, there's no, there's no resources. While rural Nevada looks to expand what they offer to the queer community, there are some resources that already exist. For example, trans people can get their HRT prescriptions sent to them by mail. And Drag Queen Story Hour has been reintroduced after the pandemic in places like Sparks. On top of this, places like Winnemucca, Elko, and Mesquite have recently spearheaded efforts to introduce pride parades to rural Nevada as a means to celebrate queer folks and recognize their rights. Here's Kimmy again. We don't wear t-shirts that says, yeah, queer or trans. Everybody that I know would like to go on about life the way everybody else does. We would like to have a safe place to live. We would like to have employment. We would like to have food to eat. We would like to have health care. We want to be able to go on about our life just like anybody else. I'd like to be able to walk down the street without being in fear. And the things that pretty much everybody can just take for granted, we'd like to be able to take it for granted too, to be safe to be treated fairly, to be treated decently. And here's Nathan again. They just kind of make the choice to be themselves about it. I mean, if you hide, it makes it easier for people to have those small-minded ideals because you're not talking to them. They don't know you. Nathan explained to me that above all else, he wishes that he could just be the mayor of Ely, not the gay mayor. He said he has taken issue with the media for hyper-focusing on his gay identity instead of his job as mayor. 
if you don't introduce any of your other guesses, this is the straight mayor, and this is the octogenarian mayor of such and such or anything like that. But it becomes less of an issue for subsequent generations and older generations in a small town may have grown up one way or have a belief system that comes from another time, but they have to know you and deal with you anyway. As older generations in Ely battle with their conservative notions, a new younger generation is creating community around LGBTQ plus folks. And this sense of community is an important part of any place in rural Nevada. Here's Kimmy. It's a lot of people who may at some point have been uncomfortable with the LGBTQ community, they will find out that they have somebody in their family who may be LGBTQ+, trans, and all of a sudden it gets very real when it happens in your family or in your workforce. Kimmy was adamant that raising awareness through conversations and questions in the community is an essential part of fighting anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. And a big part of this starts with having meaningful dialogues with friends and family. Here's Fernando again. I'm at the first one of my whole family to ever come out openly as LGBT. And then I had a cousin who came out a couple years after me. And she said, you know, after seeing that you came out, kind of gave her the courage to come out as a lesbian. The experience has been very interesting. There's a lot of family kind of in the middle age range that are very shun, shun, shun. But I've had aunties who are like, we don't care, we love you. Either way, God put us on this planet to love, not to judge. And here's Nathan again, the mayor of Ely. There's different experiences of people who even live here in Ely. And occasionally I've heard about some of those and I, I feel bad about that. In general, I think things are changing and they're changing for the better. But, you know, there's always going to be someone willing to say something stupid or hurtful somewhere. I come from rural America. It is interesting because I knew our mayor. Do you know most of the people in Ely? Where are you from originally? Silverton, Oregon. And why I'm interested in this story is because our mayor was the first transgender mayor. Stu Rasmussen. Yes, Silverton is a conservative place and smaller, but everyone loved Stu. And there wasn't a lot of people worried about him actually being trans. Well, and probably cutting right to the point about the experience, I think in rural locations, kind of those bigoted or small-minded ideas really have to do battle with that fact exactly is that people know you. They know you personally. These aren't theoretical people that you don't like. I know these people, they know me. You have to grapple with that first before you're going to decide to make some bigoted or homophobic remark. And I think most people just decide, no, I've known Nathan forever. I still know him. That's fine. And I like his husband. So there we go. You know, I don't believe in X, Y, and Z, or maybe I'm not supportive of LGBT lifestyle or whatever they call it. But Nevada is very much a live and let live kind of place. On that topic, Evie took a much harsher stance than Nathan. Maybe you personally don't care and are happy for me or whatever, but if you're if you're supporting these elected officials who are actively trying to make my life worse or people like me, their lives worse, then I guess your support at the time doesn't mean shit. A lot of these people have known me since before I even knew them. That's definitely a factor. But, you know, I think a lot of the time it still just doesn't click for them, I guess, in terms of what they support actually hurting someone that they claim to care about. Regardless of the many ups and downs of living in rural Nevada and being LGBTQ+, Kimmy, Nathan, Fernando, and Evie all agreed, at least for now, rural Nevada is home. Here's Kimmy. 
we're in a position here where we have the mountains, the lakes, the snow, the desert, and I love everything about this. Literally, I looked around the country and if there was a place I'd rather live, I'd be living there and I'd choose here. What keeps you in Ely? I enjoy the sense of community. I enjoy the social shorthand that you're able to do with people you've known forever. We don't have to go through the small talk. They know you, they know your family. I enjoy being able to get to the grocery store and back in under 15 minutes. It's just some place that's always felt like home. Even when it's not always easy, Evie says living her truth in rural Nevada is what she has to do. I'm not doing it out of courage. I'm just doing it because that's what I have to do to live. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. This show was reported, produced, and edited by me, Alex Kuro, with production and editing help from Joey Lovato and Michelle Rendells. If you'd like to support the show, you can leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at theenvyindie.com. I've been Alex Kuro, and we'll be back next week with more Indie Matters. Thank you. Thank you.